is it possible that the world of alien invaders and the world of true crime are closer than anyone thought was possible? And then, get your plungers ready, grab a roll of toilet paper, and eat at Taco Bell. We're headed into the bathroom to take a look at the bizarrely common story of the creatures known as Bathroom Boogeymen. Is there really a troll-like race of creatures that call our restrooms home? Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. Hope you guys are having a great day too. Hope you guys are having tons of fun doing whatever you're doing. I somehow have cut my tongue. This isn't fun. I don't know how many of you are podcast out there, but I'm sure all of you have tongues. And I'll let you guys know, knowing that I'm going to have to talk for the next hour, and I have a cut on my tongue, is not enjoyable. But someone who is enjoyable, someone whose tongue is in tip-top shape, running into Dead Rabbit Command right now, give it up for one of our legacy Patreon supporters... Cali tricks. Woohoo! Yeah, wee! <laughs> Show us those tricks, Cali. Awesome! Cali tricks, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon, I totally understand. I really do. Just help spread the word about Dead Rabbit Radio. That helps out so much. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell everyone you know. Dead Rabbit Radio is your favorite paranormal show. Also, a quick reminder I know I've already said it a couple times this week, but. Um, the interview that I did with Dr. Kelly Schutz, she's another paranormal investigator. She interviewed me for her show on the Paraflix Network. That is a streaming service for paranormal content. Her show is called Disembodied Voices, and that episode with me in it is live now. Paraflix, I'll have all the, the links in the show notes, but Paraflix is a paranormal streaming network. They have a three-day free trial, so if you want to see that video, just go there, click on that. And watch it. If you do want to continue Paraflix, it's only $3.99 a month. I'm not getting paid anything from this. There's no affiliate links or nothing like that. There's no affiliate links or nothing like that. But um, I'd really appreciate it if you check that out. Maybe you're just curious as well. It was a really fun interview. And me and Dr. Kelly Schutz are going to be doing another paranormal conference in November. But I'll give you guys more details about that soon. Let's go ahead and get this bad boy started before my tongue begins to swell. Have I actually ever told you... The urban legend that freaked me out the most. I probably have. Cali Tricks, go ahead and start getting the Jason Jalopy ready. I'll tell this one real quick if you haven't heard it before. Story goes like this. Uh, there was a young woman who was going to get married soon. And she's doing all her wedding preparations and stuff like that. She probably didn't have a lot of friends. <laughs> probably She's like, I'm going to be my own maid of honor as well. I have no one to help me out with anything. So she's doing all of this stuff and then... She's like, well, I got to send out all these wedding invitations as well. So she's like, okay, so she's writing out the wedding invitations. Please come to my wedding. <laughs> so would you like to be my maid of honor? Would you like to be bridesmaid? All positions are open. She's filling out all of these wedding invitations. And then she's licking the envelope. Zip, you know, the adhesive part. <laughs> she's not just licking the corners. She goes, I don't know how this works. That's why I don't have friends. I'm so awkward. She licks the adhesive part of the envelope, seals it, puts it aside, grabs the next envelope, fills out the card, puts the card in, licks the adhesive part, puts the card inside. She's doing this for quite a while, and of course, just human 
of course, the way human error works, right? She makes a mistake. She gets a paper cut on her tongue as she's holding that envelope and she's licking the adhesive part of the envelope. She cuts her tongue. She's like, ah, ah. And it's not a pleasant experience, I can say from experience. I'm going through it right now. I didn't get a paper cut on my tongue. If I did, I'd be in the hospital right now because of this story. She got a paper cut on her tongue, though. And it's bleeding a bit, but she's like, oh, man, that really sucks. It didn't stop her. Uh, she, probably, she probably left a few more envelopes. There's little blood droplets all over them. They're like, what? Man, you really powered through that. Well, a couple days later, maybe a week, she's realizing that not only does her tongue still hurt from the paper cut, but her tongue is actually starting to, to swell up a bit. Uh, uh, she kind of like can look in the mirror and she can see that her tongue is swollen. Uh, and she's like, well, I better go get this taken care of. Because I don't, I'm not a doctor myself, but I know that tongues shouldn't be swollen like this. It's throbbing, right? And she's a busy woman. She's got all this wedding stuff to go to. She goes to the doctor. The doctor's looking at her tongue and he goes, yeah, well, that is weird that your tongue is swollen like that. I don't know what would actually be causing that. You said you got a paper cut. That wouldn't necessarily be... Like, I don't I don't know what would cause that from a paper cut an infection, but nothing else seems to infect. I'm going to go ahead and, and give you a referral. You need to go see the dentist. You need to go see the dentist. This is kind of like an oral thing. Okay, so then, you know, she has to make a dentist appointment like another week passes or so, and the pain's just getting worse and worse. So she goes to the dentist, and the dentist looks at it, and at this point, like, her tongue's throbbing to the point that it's almost hard for her to talk. And the dentist takes a look at it, he's like, oh my god. He goes, there's something, he, he, I don't know who that doctor was, he, he, he may be right, you may not have an infection. There's something seriously wrong with your tongue, I'm not... I don't know how to deal with that. I, I'm a dentist. I'm a tooth guy. <laughs> he probably should have sent you to a, like an oral surgeon. That's who I will send you to. And I'll be honest, you should get this taken care of right away. I know it took you a couple days to get in to see me. Go see this oral surgeon. <sighs> okay. So she gets to the oral surgeon. And at this point, her tongue isn't just so swollen up that it's hard for her to talk. You can visibly see it throbbing. Like, other people are like, oh my god, please, close your, close your mouth. I get it, you want to show this to me? He's like, she's showing it to her fiancé. She's like, look, I'm fine. He's like, dude, I'm about to call the wedding off if you don't close your mouth. She goes to the oral surgeon. She goes to the oral surgeon. It's funny, I have a harder time pronouncing words. Because my tongue hurts. She goes to the oral surgeon. She's like, oh, I don't know how I'm going to hurt Oh, hung really bad. And the oral surgeon goes, oh my god, I've never seen anything like that, but I'm not going to send you anywhere else. Let me take a look at this. And puts her down like the chair and stuff like that. And he's looking at it and it's throbbing. The tongue's throbbing. He can see it moving. It's not just her saying it's throbbing. Like he can visibly see it moving. He grabs a scalpel and he just slightly slices her tongue. And two cockroaches crawl out. And the idea was, was that there were cockroach eggs. <laughs> Let me pause. Give me time to barf. 
You're sitting at work, you're like, oh, I got a lot of busy work. I got all, like, all these envelopes, but first, a little episode of Ted Rabbit Radio. That always calms me down. I'll get to those envelopes in a second, boss. Let me listen to the beginning of this podcast. Little Two cockers just crawled out. The theory was, was that there were cockroach eggs, right? They're so tiny. Cockroach eggs on one of the envelopes, there were eggs on the adhesive. And when she licked it and got the paper cut, some of the eggs went into her tongue and they fed off the nutrients in her blood. And they grew. Now, not I'm, I'm sure like you could, it's not like you cut it open and a thousand cockroaches came out. That'd be unbelievable. You're like, Jason, the story's unbelievable already. I don't know. It might be true. I've always heard of it as an urban legend. I've always heard of it. Kind of, that's why I told it to you. I didn't pretend that I found it in a newspaper or anything and then revealed it in the ending. I've always heard that. I've always been presented to me as an urban legend. But it's this idea that, yeah, the cockroaches could actually drink the nutrients of your blood and your saliva. Maybe every so often you'd be eating food and a little, <laughs> little cockroach arm reaches out and grabs a little piece of a Snickers bar. Nom, 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 nom. If you had, say, 10, 15 cockroach eggs deposited into your tongue, probably only two would make it to full growth, right? There wouldn't be a lot of room. You'd, they'd kind of be, like, sitting on each other, <laughs> suffocating each other, like, Barney, Barney, get off of my head, bro. I'm dying. It's like, nope. Survival of the fittest. Only two cockroaches live in this tongue. Is that story... You know, this is one of the stories that really there's two... There's two things you got to think about the story. First off, is the story true? And again, I've never seen anything to suggest it is. But there's a more interesting question. Is it possible? Because whether or not it's true is irrelevant if it's possible. Because if it's possible, then that's just as terrifying. If you're a cockroach scientist or a tongue doctor, hit me up. (laughs) Hit me up, deadrapradio at gmail.com. Shoot me an email. Um, so that's what I'm thinking of. And what's weird is I woke up with the cut tongue. I'm not joking. My tongue was totally fine. I took a nap. I woke up and I have a cut on my tongue. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's cockroaches. Maybe they found a way in somehow. I, if I had woken up in time, I would have seen a mama cockroach carrying around half of a little envelope being like, actually, now I'm thinking it's probably a curse because I haven't sent out my stickers. I have a bunch of stickers, Dead Rabbit Radio supporter stickers I'm supposed to send out. And I'll tell you this, I heard that urban legend back when I was like 15. I only buy self-adhesive envelopes. (laughs) Whether or not it's true, it could be possible. I do not like envelopes for no, maybe listen, if I was like some some guy, some some crazy jigsaw guys, like you've been locked in a room, you have to lick these 10 envelopes in 10, I'd be like, I'll lick the envelopes, (laughs) whatever, who cares? But in general, in my daily life, if anyone's ever gotten a letter from me, they'll realize, oh yeah, that was probably self-adhesive. Just in case. Just in case. Let's actually get this episode started. We're like, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes into the episode. Let's get it started. Cal- Cali Tricks. I'm going to toss you the keys to the Jason Jalopy. You've been doing some car work on it, I see. Take us out of Dead Rabbit Radio Command and drive us all the way down to Peru. Specifically, we're headed out to Lima, Peru. It's August 1st, 1965. It's 7 p.m. at night, and there's a young man walking down the street. There's a young man standing on the roof of his house. His name is Alberto 
San Roman Nunez. The reason why he's on the roof is he's bringing in the laundry. That's where they put it up there to dry. That's what, like, their clotheslines and stuff. You're basically asking for birds to steal your t-shirts. But anyways, apparently it works for these guys. And while Alberto is up on the roof, he looks over and he sees an odd object flying through the sky. It's not a bird wearing a winger t-shirt. It's a UFO! And it lands on the roof of the house next to him. Suddenly, the doors of the craft open. And out steps what can only be described as a frogman. Now, not like a dude in like a wetsuit, because I know that's like, I know there's probably some military people who just went, ooh, ah, I know who those guys are. Those are like the wetsuit guys. No, you're wrong. It's a frogman. <laughs> like a frog, he's jumping off a UFO. It'd be kind of, it'd be kind of anticlimactic. This UFO descends from space and a guy just walks out and he's wearing like a snorkeling outfit. <laughs> you're like, oh, come on, man. You don't even have one of those lame Jesus robes that all those hippie alien lovers see. No, you're just wearing something you bought at. You're wearing a billabong wetsuit you bought at some tourist trap. No, it's an actual, like, frog man. Half man, half frog. He was three and a half feet tall. And his skin was green. And he was bioluminescent. So he's kind of, like, glowing. It's 7 p.m., so it's not, like, super dark, right? <laughs> I guess definitely he could be one in the afternoon. If a glowing guy showed up, he'd be like, ah, that's weird. But it'd be weirder at night. Three and a half foot tall, half man, half frog, green skinned, glowing entity. And Alberto, obviously you're terrified, right? You're absolutely terrified. You didn't expect this. Alberto tries to take off running, but he's also on a roof. There's like a 10 foot drop. There's not many places you can safely run to. He's like running around in a circle. He's like, "Ah, I'm running out of options real quick. All of a sudden he finds himself surrounded by a blinding red light. Whoop. And then in an instant, the UFO took off, flew away into the sky. Now, when Alberto got off the roof, he probably was like, oh, I'm glad these clothes are clean. I need a fresh pair of pants. When Alberto finally got off the roof, he told his family and they made the decision to call the police. The police showed up. And they discovered on the roof where this UFO had landed, there were these circular markings that were about a foot in diameter on that roof. And this story, like a lot of UFO stories, made it into the paper because it's just so weird, right? A lot of times they don't go national, but regional, they'll be like, boy, we saw a UFO, pooped pants. He's like, you could have left that part out. could have left that part out of the headline. They reported this UFO sighting, and it was really well publicized in the area. Four days after the sighting, Alberto said, I've just been reading too much science fiction. I must have been misreading things. It must have just been my imagination. He took back the entire story. He recanted. And people, you know, obviously a little bummed about that, right? This guy's going to have a hard time getting a job, right? No one's going to want to hire... You would hire the man who got attacked by a frog alien before you'd hire the guy who lied about it. 
Because then when you're like, hey, hey, Alberto, did you do all your work today You at the bank? Did you put that money in the safe? And he's like, yeah, she's all sitting on a pile of money. He's like, yeah, I did it. You're like, I can obviously see you didn't do it. If you got a reputation as someone who made stuff up, I imagine that would be really hard. Although, to be fair, <laughs> he probably put it on his resume. It's like previous experience. He goes, I got shot in the face with an alien gun once. They're like, what? Yeah, I put that under uh, past employment. I was a prisoner of the reptilian empire. And he was also a 15-year-old kid. People probably just like, well, you know, probably was reading too much science fiction. Anyways, he retracted the story. And the circular markings on the roof next door were explained away as it's possible that someone used a car wheel to make these markings. Which, here's the thing. I, I, I here, There's a couple different things going on here. One, it's possible that he made the whole thing up. According to him, he made the whole thing up. I would argue if you're going to make the whole thing up, I wouldn't add a detail. Go, okay, so I'm going to say that I was on the roof and a frog alien came out of a UFO and shot me with this red beam and then flew away. Ah, great story. Now, how can I add some detail to it? I know I'm going to grab I'm going to grab a tire off of a car, lug it to my neighbor's roof, and make circles, and then have to take the tire off the car off the roof. Like, I would just be like, yeah, uh, the UFO landed there. And if someone goes, well, are there any landing pads? I'd go, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe he's all, he has all these tired treads on his shirt. I mean, like, why would you add a detail that's going to cause you to lift this, this giant tire up there? Just, I would leave that part out. If I was going to lie about an alien abduction, I would be like, oh, you know, alien flew down. Shot me with a beam, flew away. I wouldn't even say, <laughs> say that he landed. I just, it's an alien, right? Little little frogman jumped out, did a little dance on my head, flew away. So it's it's one of those stories that's weird. He did recant it. It's possible that he made it all up. It's possible that, and I've seen this happen with UFO experiencers. They get so tired of answering all the questions, they just go, never mind, I made it up. Because the backlash of you believing in something fantastical is worse than you recanting it. Then you say, no, 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 I didn't mean it, I didn't mean it. And then everyone can kind of leave you alone. They're like, loser, I knew it was fake. Versus sticking to your guns for 30 years and being called a kook. What's interesting about this story, I'm covering the story for two reasons. One, because it does show that, I mean, it could be totally made up. Kid could have made it up. It could be true, and he just got tired of dealing with it. The old, the other reason why I'm covering it, because I find this super fascinating. When I was investigating this, I got this information from a website called Cryptopia.us. They're a big cryptid website. I believe they also still have the... I believe they still have a podcast, too. I'll put that podcast in the show notes. But you have this story about this kid in the UFO, but then you have another story that... Hey, let me go ahead and tell it, and, and then we'll talk real quick, and then we'll move on to the bathroom trolls. There was a very famous UFO researcher, and he was also a British diplomat by day, named Gordon Creighton. In 1969, he wrote a book called The Humanoids. So just a couple years after this, this happened in 1965, he wrote a book called The Humanoids. And in the book, he talked about humanoids in Latin America. And he has this little excerpt from his book. Apparently, so the story I just told you took place on August 1st, 1965. 
on August 7th, 1965, throughout the city of Lima, there was a rash of armed robberies and home invasions. And when the police were finally able to track down the culprits, it was a very bizarre string. It was a very bizarre crime wave. They knew they were all linked to the same people because of the way these home invasions and armed robberies were being performed. When the police finally tracked down this guy, they located this gangster whose street name was Pygmy. And apparently, Pygmy and his gang had a very unique way of breaking into your house. They dressed up like space aliens. That was kind of like, that was kind of their MO. It would throw you off guard. A bunch of guys running in your house with bandanas over their faces, screaming while waving a revolver. I mean, that's scary, right? But <laughs> imagine if he was wearing plastic Dracula teeth. He's like, ah, I want to suck your blood. You're like, ah, I take all my money. I'm not even going to resist. Walks in in a spooky cape. It would be creepier. This is one of those things, again, you're already running into people's houses with firearms. Pygmy goes, what if we dressed like aliens? That'd catch people off guard. And maybe... When they go to report it to the police, the police will be like, what do the suspects look like? And their victims will go, have you ever seen Flash Gordon? They, they all look like Ming the Merciless. <laughs> the cop's like, okay, I'm out of here. I'm, I'm retiring right now. This job's gotten too weird. They look like space aliens. They looked like... I mean, what were famous space aliens in 1965? You didn't even have Star Wars or Star Trek. Uh, Star Trek? Yeah, I don't think you had Star Trek. Yeah, I don't know. But... It would be weird. It would. It's a, it's a weird gimmick because having a gun put in your face and someone screams over and over again, where's the cash? Where's the cash? If that same person happened to be dressed like E.T., you're not going to be like, wow, well, uh, <laughs> I was not going to give you the uh, code to the safe, but I know you need to get home, young man. I will help you out. But apparently there was a gang, and that would make sense, right? Because generally when someone reports a local UFO story, it does become big news for a while. And even after it being retracted, people would still be buzzing about it. So it's very possible. I wasn't see the thing is I was not able to find any other source that this part of the story is true. I, re, I mean, really, I'm getting all of my information from Cryptopia.us. I've used their website a lot, though. It's a great, great source. But I don't know, like how he was arrested, how the crimes are actually done. I'm talking about Pygmy in this case. We don't know a lot of details. I'd like to kind of back up, but apparently his gang wore spacesuits. They pretended to be aliens as they were breaking into people's houses. And the reason why I wanted to... I've had this story ready to go, but I thought now was the perfect time to talk about it because Monday we were in Peru. We did that whole episode about are aliens actually invading Peru or you know the media and the government is saying that it was actually illegal an illegal gold mining operation from people from colombia and brazil were coming to peru to do gold mines and they also happen to be seven foot tall jetpack wearing people who are bulletproof and you know i mean here's the thing like there's a certain point where the debunking is weirder in a way less believable than space aliens and that was going on i think the key i know we've talked a lot about that i know there's been a lot of news talk about that and even on different podcasts i think the most interesting thing that i came across when i was researching that and it's what i put at the end of that episode is some people say it's aliens some people say it's 
illegal gold mining operation, and that's the way most of the media has just dealt with it now. That same month in 2023, the U.S. had military forces in that region, in Peru, to do military training alongside the Peruvian armed forces. We do that. A lot of countries do this bilateral training. But this training included the Marines, the Special Forces, members of the U.S. Air Force, and oddly enough, members of the U.S. Space Force were sent into those jungles to train for 16 days in Peru. And, I mean, that's just weird, right? I don't understand, like, I understand why the Marines and the Special Forces and even the Air Force guys would be there. The Air Force guys would be like, okay, we're going to pretend our planes crashed. All you have is one bag of beef jerky, a slingshot, and a bottle of water. You survive. But what's the what's the Space Force people doing? They're, like, just sitting in an office, or they're like, okay, here's your training. A satellite just crashed. You were in a space station over Earth, and you crashed, you plummeted to ground and he survived and he's like what that's not even possible and they're like you got you got a stick you got a droplet of water and one cracker <laughs> can you survive 16 days in the peruvian wilderness he's like no not at all why was the u.s space force there i i don't know if they went there because they knew there was going to be alien activity there they predated it apparently or it happened like right around the same time like both of those things did they cause it did the was the u.s military behind this operation the, the alien base. I don't know. It's interesting. I thought, though, to be fair, because I really leaned into the conspiracy angle on that, I wanted to highlight this. Peru has a history of criminals using aliens as disguises to commit crimes. They didn't want to cram this story into that Monday episode. I thought it needed its own room to breathe. But isn't that interesting? That's a really cool kind of connection that they actually did have something like this happen back in 1965. A gang of criminals dressing as aliens. So, you know, I, I like to give a little bit, even though I like to give a little bit of each side, uh, especially on stories where we don't know the answer to. So I thought that was a cool addition to the whole Peruvian alien conspiracy going on right now. I don't know if I have a time, Cali Tricks, to do the full bathroom trolls story, despite the fact that it's a funny name. It's actually kind of creepy, and I like to take my time telling that. I didn't expect to do the cockroach. <laughs> like, damn it, Jason, you, you've told that cockroach story like three times on this podcast. I don't know. I don't know. Sometimes the stories that I don't plan out or I don't put in my show notes, they just kind of go in my head. I don't know. Let me see if I can find a shorter story that I can talk about on this episode. I know I have them. I just got to find them. I got one. I got a really cool story to end out today's episode on. Calitrix, fire up that carpenter copter. We are leaving behind Peru. Fly us all the way out to good old Nebraska. And as we're heading out there, I know I don't have a ton of time, but I do. I have so many of these from my vacation. I do want to start off by giving you one of my dead rabbit radio recommends. When I take a good long vacation, which you guys hate, I definitely got all the YouTube comments like, no more vacations for Jason a month. That's a little too much. But anyways, I love to watch movies. I love to watch movies. And the standout movie for me, hands down, was this old 1990s movie called Mom. Super generic title. I'll put it in the show notes because you're going to have a hard time finding it. It's on Tubi. I watched it on Tubi. 
which is a free service. The movie's called Mom. It's billed as a horror comedy. The synopsis, just you know, like the short little plot is, it's about a middle-aged mom. She's like in her 50s or 60s. Turns into a werewolf. And you're like, dude, what? Oh, that sounds like that'd be that sounds like that'd be a laugh a minute, right? Grandma, she's rapping really fast. She's a werewolf. She joins a local pickleball team. The movie starts off with a werewolf. Listen, they don't show it, but not only do they imply it, they reference it the rest of the movie. <laughs> There's, they don't show it, but for the rest of the movie, multiple characters talk about this moment. This horror comedy movie, a werewolf eats the living baby out of a pregnant teenage girl. That's scene one. It is not a comedy. I don't know who I don't know who on Tubi said it was a comedy. It is one it is a horror movie. It is a movie that you watch and you feel like you're watching somebody else's nightmare. Because it is so well done. And I don't want to give away any of the plot because I'm going to tell you. When the movie started and once the characters had all been introduced, I thought, okay, this is going to be the plot. This werewolf moves in with the mom because she's like renting out a room and turns her into a werewolf. And now they're going to go and the son, who's an investigative journalist, is going to be trying to figure out, you know, what's going on with mom what I thought was going to be the plot of the entire movie was the first 20 minutes. That was completely wrapped up in maybe the first 20 minutes. The next hour, every scene I was going, I have no idea what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen next. And to me, that's one of the greatest compliments I can give to a movie. Because I've seen so many of them over my 46 years of living. That when I can watch a movie that I can guarantee was straight to video back in the 1990s. And I'm like, to the final scene, I was like, I don't know how this is going to end. I do not know how this movie is going to end. And it is scary. Not like you're jump scared. But because you can easily put yourselves in the positions of these characters. And you, the whole movie, you're thinking, what would I do in, in this particular situation? Not my mom's a werewolf as a whole, but this scene going on right now, how would I handle it? And then it goes to the next scene, and you're watching it, and you're like, how would I deal with this? How would I deal with what's going on in this scene? It's really creepy, and the fact that it's like, it's on Tubi, so it's, and it's, I don't think they took like a VHS copy, and they're running it, but there's a, a bit of a color smudge. There's a bit of a downgrade. It gives it a more eerie quality. It feels like you're watching a nightmare. Clay Dwyer has a problem. His mother, Emily, had always been the perfect mother. Hot roast on a Dwyer. With a loving family. Oh, you can have a baby! But lately, she just hasn't been herself. What's your favorite? Her appetite isn't what it used to be. You're gonna be sick. She disappears, and Clay finds her in the strangest places with the oddest assortment of people. What do you want? My mother. What do you do when the sweetest lady in the world 
turns mean. Ah! Let me out of here! Be quiet! Waking up the neighbors! Ah! My mother's upstairs. That was your mother? When do you say enough is enough? Dead Rabbit Radio recommends Mom. It's a great horror movie. I think it was the standout movie this summer for me. And I got a lot of them. But I wanted to start off those Dead Rabbit Radio recommends. Callie Tricks is now flying us over the great state of Nebraska. Specifically, we're headed out to Grand Island, Nebraska. It's July 2021. Car is driving down the road. And in this car, we have a young man. We're going to call him Terry. We don't have his exact name. But Terry is driving the road from Lincoln to Kearney, Nebraska. If you're local to the area, you're like, I know that road. If you're local to that area, I think you should should go drive down this road. Do a little investigation for us. Let us know what you see. Grand Island, Nebraska, there's a road from Lincoln to Kearney, apparently. Terry's out driving with his girlfriend, and they're about 10 miles, they're 10 miles out of Grand Island. They're not actually in the, uh, I'm assuming that's a city. I don't think it's probably like a giant island. But Grand Island, Nebraska, 10 miles out, Terry and his girlfriend are driving down the road, and all of a sudden his girlfriend will call her Beth. Beth is like, Terry, Terry, look. And Terry kind of catches a glimpse, like he's driving down the road, and when Beth starts saying, look, 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 and she's pointing her finger out, he turns his head and he sees what looks like a car wrecked on the side of the road, on Beth's side of the road. And he just kind of ballooned past it, and she's like, I think there was a car. I think there was a car off the road that got in a wreck, and Terry's like, yeah, I kind of caught a glimpse of it. Let's, we, we gotta see if anyone needs help. So he slows down and then he turns the car around and he sees that, yeah, it does look like there is a car accident, that a car had driven off the road, one or more. You can't really see a lot, but he sees there's definitely one car there and he sees a little girl standing on the side of the road. So Terry stops the car. Imagine your adrenaline's pumping at this point, right? Terry stops the car and gets out and starts walking towards the little girl. Are you okay? Honey, are you okay? Did you just come out of that car accident? Do you need help? Do you need us to call 911? And he's saying this and he's walking towards this girl and the girl's just staring at the wrecked car off the road in shock. He's, she's not answering any of Terry's question and he's walking closer and closer. He's like, honey, do you need help? Like, is everything Okay. And Terry said he got about 20 yards away from her when finally he got her attention and she turned towards him. And when she turned around, maybe it was the way that she moved, but his eyes were drawn down almost immediately to this little girl's knees. They were buckled inward. A grievous injury for anybody. And he had a hard time understanding how this girl was even standing up. She turned around and her knees 
were bent in the opposite direction. And when Terry looked up at her face, he realized she had no face. She, he realized half of her face was missing. At this point, a sense of dread surrounds Terry. He realizes something is horribly wrong. This isn't just a girl who survived a terrifying car accident. He realizes that this is something supernatural. I mean, if you saw someone stumbling out of a car accident with half a face, I don't think he would immediately say, that's a ghost, and drive away. But... I mean, maybe if their knees were buckled in and they were standing up, <laughs> that's probably a pretty good indicator. Something weird is happening. If it was just the half a face, he probably would have called 911. But the girl didn't do anything spooky. However, he did get the impression that this was not, this girl was no longer alive. He didn't know what it was at this point. He didn't know if it was a ghost or someone disguising itself as a girl, or whatever. He, he was like, I'm going to let someone else talk about this on a paranormal podcast someday. I'm out. He drove. And to be fair, they did drive to the local police station. So just in case, maybe it was a little girl who had been horribly maimed. They went to the police station. They mentioned it. And apparently the police station in Grand Island, one of the officers goes, yeah, that'll happen sometimes. And Terry and Beth are like, what? And this officer goes, Ten years ago, on that very stretch of road, a family was driving down the street. You had a mom, a son, and a daughter going for a cruise. When all of a sudden, there was a horrific car accident. <laughs> car caught on fire the mom and the son were killed instantly but their daughter had both of her knees broken in the car accident but she was still alive she's like ah my knees this totally sucks And then the car caught on fire. And she couldn't move, obviously, because she didn't have knees anymore. This is dark. (laughs) I was trying to find, like, oh, I'll just find a story real quick to throw on here. This one's so sad. If true. We'll get to that in a second. But anyways, back to our story. My knees! Ah! And she's in the car and she has no knees. And then the car catches on fire. And she burns to death. But she doesn't. Because that, that would be less horrifying than what I'm about to say. She catches on fire. She's sitting in the car. She's burning up. She has no knees. She can't escape. And a rescue crew shows up. And they put out the fire. Blasting her in the face with a fire hose. The fire actually didn't burn her half of her face. That was from the high-pressure fire hose. She's like, ah, she's burning. They're like, spraying the car down. She's like, use a fire extinguisher. Use foam. Ah. And they pull her out of the car. And they take her to the hospital. And then she dies. She later dies of a combination. These are the two worst things. I mean, there's a whole list of things that are bad. But um, she died of a combination of blood loss, massive blood loss, and brain damage. 
Which, I mean, even if you survived one. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're like, well, sir, we have good news and bad news. On the one hand, you have all of your blood. But on the other hand, uh, you do. <laughs> you are suffering severe brain damage. You have no idea what I'm saying to you. Uh, that You know, both of those are pretty bad. The cop goes, and there's been reports that that little girl's still out there on the road. Standing there in the darkness. Watching people drive by. Watching them. With half a face. I found this story on phantomsandmonsters.com. A great paranormal resource. And Lon Strickler, he said, because what happens is people submit stuff to him. Lon Strickler said he actually contacted the public resource officer for this police station. And they said, the public resource office, the public resource officer at this Grand Island police station say they have also heard multiple reports, multiple sightings of this little girl on the road. The spirit of a young girl trapped forever on this dark road. It's bad enough to die such a tragic death. It's even worse to find yourself haunting the scene of your last moments. But in death, this child doesn't have the peace of being surrounded by her loved one. It is her and her alone standing in the darkness. It really is one of the weirdest things about the world of the paranormal. There seem to be no rules. Even though the entire family died here, only she was left behind. And she didn't die at the scene of the accident. So why did her spirit find its way back here? Unfortunately, we'll never know the answers for that. We'll never know why she is stuck there. Maybe she needs us, though. Maybe she needs someone to help her over to the other side. Maybe the reason why her apparition is appearing there, because she is stuck, and with the guidance of the living, she may finally be able to experience the everlasting peace of the dead. But it also may be possible her specter is there for darker reasons. She may not be trying to reach the other side. She may be there to end your life, to take your soul. To also curse you to an existence of standing in the darkness. We won't know until someone does stop their car, walk up towards her, but then... Remain brave and steadfast enough when she turns and looks at you. Not to run away, but to stay and find out what her true intention is. But few people in this world are that brave or that stupid. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. TikTok is at DeadRabbitRadio. 
Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to us every day, but I'm glad you listened to us today. Have a great week, guys.